Thank you so much for joining us today in our first service. You are welcome. Welcome to our online church. God bless you. Thank you for joining us from wherever you are around the country or around the world. If you are on the South Coast, you need to get dressed and come to the second service. I'm just saying. Church is open again. Amen? And so we're so glad to have you. Uh, if you are visiting us for the very first time, you are our VIPs, and we will give you your official welcome at the end of the service. But right now, we're going to dig into the Word of God, and we're going to continue to uh, study. And today, God willing, we're going to finish our series on favor. And uh, yesterday, we finished our 40-day challenge. Did you all enjoy the 40-day challenge? If you don't know what we're talking about, then you better start it today. Amen. Go to Facebook. Uh, We did a 40-day challenge on just uh, soaking ourselves in God's Word around favor and what that means in our lives, how God's grace works for us. And uh, if you go to Facebook or any of our social media, you'll be able to pick that up and you can just do it for yourself for the next 40 days. Here's the great news this morning. You are God's beloved son or daughter. And maybe you don't feel great this morning. Maybe you don't feel like a son or daughter because you've just had a, a rotten week. Or maybe you feel like, man, I just haven't been doing what I need to be doing, and I just feel terrible. Well, here's great news. That does not change your identity. Amen? Because your identity is rooted in Christ. Amen? And you are righteous this morning. You are complete this morning because God's love abounds towards you. And we've been talking about this quite a bit over the last eight weeks, and today we want to continue uh, as we're talking about increased favor, remember, when, when favor comes on you, that favor can increase. And that favor increase because you start cooperating with God and with that favor in your life. And I tell you what, when you start to do that, that favor flows through your life and it starts to give you favor with men. Amen? You see, one moment of favor can open a door that's been closed forever. One moment of favor can close a door that's been opened forever because God's purpose is important to you. Now, we saw clearly last week, we spent about two weeks uh, looking at this and the reality that we are co-workers with Christ. Remember, we looked at that scripture in 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. We're not going to turn there again today. But I want to remind you that in the King James, it actually says this. We are then workers together with God. That's a partnership word. In other words, we need to realize today, this word in the Greek is the word suno energeo. And it actually speaks about an energy that comes because of the partnership you have. Remember Jesus said this in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he goes on and he says, For my yoke is light and my burden is easy. But notice it is a yoke. And a yoke is this. They used to put the old oxen in one yoke, and they put the baby or the child oxen in the other yoke. And how many know the heavy oxen did all the heavy lifting? But the young oxen was learning in the process. How many know God does our heavy lifting? But he needs you in the yoke with him. Look at the person next to you. Say, you're a partner. And so... Today, as we close this series, I want to talk to you about what it looks like to partner with God. Remember last week, we saw that God's treasury has been opened to us. 
I found it so interesting that in Malachi, where God speaks about tithes and offering, he says, prove me now in this that I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain. Well, we said that treasure is on the inside of you. And when that becomes unlocked, there's a God side and a man side. And we want to see what does that look like? Let's dissect that a little bit because please write this down. The most important thing this morning, God needs your cooperation. Just because God is supernatural, just because God saved you, just because you're born again, does not mean it's automatic. You have to let it work in your heart. All right? And so the first thing I want to say to you this morning, because of that, your partnership with God, number one this morning, you need to prepare the soil of your heart and start to sow the right seeds. Because I don't know about you, but I've prayed for some crop failures in my life, for some of the wrong seeds that I've sown. Can anyone relate? Because I want you to know today, whatever you're planting, it will grow, and it will spring up, and it will produce a harvest. And you know what? I spent a lot of my born-again life trying to chop up cut down and get to the root of the wrong seeds I sowed while I wasn't serving God. And some of them I continued to nurture after I saved God. Can anyone relate? Nobody. It's going to be a long morning. So number one, prepare the soil of your heart and start to sow seeds. Today decide you're going to sow good seeds and you're not going to sow weeds anymore. So turn back with me to 2 Corinthians 9. We, we touched on this scripture, I think last week or the week before, but I want to read it now in the Amplified Classic. And it says this in verse 10. And God, say God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply. Say multiply. So God's the one who provides seed. Where does he provide that seed? Well, he provides it in your heart by giving you talents and gifts and his word. But he also provides it by opening our eyes to see what we have in our lives that we can give. But notice, he says, if you'll just have a heart to sow, God will give you the seed. And then when you start sowing, guess what he's going to do? He's going to multiply it. Say multiply now, I love in the, in the classic Amplified, it says this, multiply your resources for sowing and he'll increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity, which is generosity or love. So notice the fruit that's going to come out of the seeds you sow are not just going to provide resources, but what does it look like? It looks like goodness. Remember we said last week, we sang that song? His goodness is running after. It's running after me. His goodness is running after. It's running after me. Amen? So you see, when when I sow the right seeds... The harvest that comes is goodness. The harvest that comes is kindness. 
The harvest that comes is a, is a generosity and a sense of God's love in my life. Now, it says this, Thus you will be enriched. Say, I'm enriched. In some things. No, in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. Isn't it amazing that we can come so our seeds in our church, in our local church, whether it's finances or our time or our treasure or our talents, and then when we administer that as the local church, that goes out to people whose lives are impacted, and then they begin thanking God for the seed you sowed because it produced a harvest in their life. Ha! Isn't that amazing? We get to partner with God as he changes the world. And the only way to change this world for good is through Jesus Christ. There is no other solution. The church is the hope of the world. Can you say amen? Look at the person next to you. Say, you are the church. You see, when we start to believe that we are righteous because of Jesus and not our own works, it liberates our hearts which is God's treasure. And when your heart becomes liberated, you know what happens? Your heart is opened and you become generous. And you know what I've discovered after serving God for, I don't know, 35, 36, 37 years? You can never outgive God. Well, the church is really quiet this morning. So either you're really paying attention, you're either very tired and you're still sleeping, or you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. I'm going to opt for the first one. You're really listening. Because you see, when you realize that God's generous, and you become generous, you can just keep giving, and He just keeps giving back. Is anyone here who's got a Mercedes? Ah, uh, come on now. Come on, let's not hold out now. You cannot outgive God. Anyway. All right. So you see, when, when we become generous, we start to step into this favor that God has on our lives. And, and you see what happens is when our hearts are open and we start to experience God's favor in our lives, it fills our heart with a joy and a confidence that is independent of our circumstances. You see, and when you're walking in that place, it doesn't matter how bad it gets on the outside because on the inside, God's peace is expanding. God's fruit is growing. And you know what happens? That will overwhelm whatever you're facing in your life. So I want to show you two scriptures this morning. Now remember, we're talking about how does this look practically? Number one, you've got to prepare the soil and you've got to start sowing your seed. So the two references to this scripture we just looked at are in the Old Covenant, and they prophecies given by prophets of God 700 to 1,000 years before Jesus came, but they were foretelling of the New Covenant and how things would work when Jesus came and sacrificed his life and was raised from the dead. The first one is Isaiah 55, verse 10 to 13. Have a look what it says. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth, and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
right? So, so Isaiah's prophesying how this new kingdom will operate. Paul picked up on this and he said, God provides seed for the sower. Now, when we speak about that, what happens is we start thinking externally. Where's the seed going to come from? Where's the money going to, where's the resource? No, 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 no. He's going to provide it. You've got to understand how to use it. And so he explains it. He says this, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Listen to this. For you'll go forth with joy. You'll be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands, and instead of the thorn will come up the cypress, and instead of the brier shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So can you see the principle here? God gives you his word in the treasury of your heart. As you begin to sow that word in your heart and you begin to speak it out of your mouth and you begin to act on it in your life, listen, it says it shall bring forth and it shall accomplish what it is set out to accomplish. And so the commentary of this verse or these verses in the Hebrew, it says this, the hearts of men that were once barren spiritually, unproductive and without strength, will be made by the outpouring of the Spirit through the Messiah to become spiritually alive, to become fruitful and full of righteousness, and to be strong in the things of God. Say, my life is strong. Come on, say, my life is blessed. Say, my life is full of God. All right, now listen, that's God's word. You've just spoken it, and it won't return void until it accomplishes what you just set it out to accomplish. Can you see the dynamic that God is wanting us to understand? So here's what you, need, you and I need to realize this morning. We are anointed to serve Jesus. We are anointed to be His voice, His heart, and His love every day of our lives. Look at the person next to you. Say, you are anointed this morning. You have an anointing in your life. And what the enemy tries to do, he tries to get you to be negative about that, to think it doesn't work, to think God's not on your side, to think there's something wrong so that you get out of the spirit and into the flesh and then you try and strive in the natural to change things. And you cannot change anything this morning. And you're going to see how significant this is. The second scripture reference to this one is Hosea. All right, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. Look what it says along these lines, but obviously a little bit different. Sow for yourself righteousness, reap mercy. Break up your fallow ground. Say fallow ground. The word fallow simply means hard. Break up the hard ground. Break up the hard ground. Why? Because you cannot sow seeds in hard ground. Remember Mark chapter 4, it spoke about the sower sows the word. You can go read that as your homework this week. But I want you to know, he says, break up your fellow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Till he comes and rains righteousness on you. But now listen, he explains something to the then nation of Israel. 
He says, you have plowed wickedness and you've reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies, listen, because you trusted in your own way in the multitude of your mighty men. So he clarifies why it is sometimes that we don't see the harvest or we don't see the fruit of righteousness producing mercy in our lives. It's because we're trusting ourselves. We're trusting our own ability. We're trusting our own gift and our own resources. And God's saying today, listen, stop trusting yourself and start trusting me. Because without me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do anything. Can someone please say amen this morning? All right, so what does it mean to break up your fellow ground? What does it mean to seek the Lord? Well, breaking up your fellow ground is a spiritual term that refers primarily to prayer and worship. Because what happens when you worship the Lord? What happens is you get into His presence and He starts to deal with your heart. He starts to minister to you. He starts to encourage you. He starts to draw you in. He starts to uplift you. What is that doing? It's breaking the hard ground, the hard soil of your heart that is preventing you from producing the right results in your life. So breaking up the fellow ground this morning speaks to you and I of a lifestyle of prayer and worship. And it produces in us this heart where it says it's time to seek the Lord. And you know what it means to seek the Lord? It means to long for His blessing. It means to go after and to be uh, passionate and desirous of His favor in your life. It speaks about someone, listen, who requires God as their absolute necessity. How many you know when you, when you absolutely need something as your necessity, you'll let go of everything else to get it? And that's the heart, that's the desire God wants in our lives. And he's saying when you come to that place, listen, the word will start working in your heart. It will start producing a, a harvest in your life that will bring forth righteousness and mercy. So turn with me now to Galatians chapter 6, and we'll understand this verse of Scripture so much better. We'll start from verse 6, just to get the context. It says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever, say whatever, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But I love this. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary, say don't grow weary, of doing good. For in due season, you will reap if you do not lose heart. There's several reasons then why we don't see the harvest. Sometimes it's because we're sowing to the flesh. Can anyone just be honest about it? We sow to the flesh. How do we sow to the flesh? Well, we do things out of necessity. When someone treats us wrong, we treat them wrong back. Just smile, no one, tell, no one knows I'm talking about you. Just look forward, just pretend it's the person next to you. Amen? We sow to the flesh when we do things for God under compulsion and not spirit-led, not because we want to do it, because our heart says, man, I just want to do this for God. And so what happens is, that's the one reason. The other reason is we don't allow ourselves the perseverance to not grow weary. Second reason why we don't have harvest sometimes. 
If you're thinking of giving up this morning, it's too soon. And number three, not only do we, do, do we lose heart, but we don't recognize the season for sowing and the season for reaping. So we've got to learn to recognize what season am I in in my life because then I can cooperate with that season. It's no use trying to reap the harvest when you're supposed to be plowing the ground. And as, as children of God, as we grow, we can start to discern these things. Now, I'm trying to bring a whole lot of things together this morning. Do you remember a few weeks ago we looked at the rich young ruler? All right, And we saw his encounter with Jesus and how Jesus said, listen, give what you have because he had accumulated that wealth in his flesh. He had done it by his own work, by his own accomplishment, by his own resources. And so all Jesus wanted him to do was to unclip that, sow it into the Spirit, follow Jesus, and God would cause even a bigger harvest to come back into his life. But he couldn't because he was hitched or hooked to his wealth. And so the Bible says he went away sorrowful. But I want to pick up on that story, something very interesting that maybe you haven't looked at before. In verse 23 of Matthew 19, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Please look at verse 25 with me. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? That's a loaded question because Peter wouldn't have asked that if he didn't have money. His response should have been, Oh, that's awesome, so we're all going to heaven. Come on, if they were poor, if they didn't have a lot of resources, they would have been, Jesus, we've got you, we fully understand. But he doesn't. It says, the disciples, they were greatly astonished. And they're like, okay, Lord, then there's no hope for any of us. So God is communicating something, that when we put our trust in finances, in resources, and not in Jesus, it's going to make it hard for us to enter and function in the kingdom of God. But listen here. Jesus was pointing out to them that the rich ruler's heart, God's treasury, all right, was closed because his trust was in his money and what he'd worked for rather than in God. Even although he'd served God better than most of the disciples that were there that day, because the Bible says he said, I've kept all the commandments. So in the natural, he was more qualified than anyone else, but he qualified himself by his own works. And Jesus wanted him and the disciples to know, it's not your works that qualifies it. It's my work that qualifies you. And when you put your trust in me, you start to become fruitful in your life. So here's the reality. It may be difficult, but it's not impossible. It might be painful, but it'll be worth it. It might take some time, but when you follow God's process, it will produce fruit in your life. Bump the person next to you and say, you're anointed this morning. Because look at Jesus' answer immediately after this. In verse, that was verse 25, 26. He says, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, 
all things are possible. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Say it's possible today. You see, when we allow God's favor to flow in our lives, impossible things become possible. Can I just check I'm in the right church? Is there anyone here today, you're facing a few impossible things in your life right now? All right, listen. With man, they will remain impossible. But if you'll release them to God, they'll become possible. I love what Chris Bailey says. It's time to shift your desk. Your desk. Don't don't shift your desk. Shift your desk to the God is possible network. Amen? All things are possible with God this morning because when His favor starts to flow in your life, the things that were impossible become possible. You see, with Jesus, you're 100% helpless. But with Him... Anything is possible. Amen? Say anything is possible. Now I love this. Now the conversation gets really interesting. Because look at the next verse. It's got to be Peter. You know, Peter just used to open his mouth and change feet. He was always in trouble. But look at him. Then Peter said to Jesus. I think it's verse 27, yeah. And Peter said to Jesus, See We have left everything to follow you. Therefore, what will we have? So it's like, Jesus, I'm loving this conversation now because we're following you. We've given up everything. So what are we going to inherit? Notice how Jesus rebukes him. Oh, no, he doesn't. Oh, wow. Oh, check that out. Jesus didn't rebuke Peter for asking him, what am I going to get out of this deal? Come on, church. How you know, the haters out there, they love to say, you know, just serve God because he's God. Don't expect anything. Peter goes to God, to Jesus, right here, face to face, and says, okay, Jesus, we've given up everything. What, what are we going to inherit? And Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He answers him. He says, come, let's talk about it. And Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the sons of men sit on the thrones of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He starts to paint out their inheritance. Wow. He starts to tell them, and listen, verse 29, he says, and everyone, are you everyone? If you're not, it's fine. You don't qualify, but I just want to check. Is there any everyone's here today? You're serving Jesus. Everyone, everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, wives, children, lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. In the other two stories of this particular story, this one is in Matthew, the other one is in Luke, and the other one is in Mark, both Luke and Mark say this, shall inherit a hundredfold in this life, an eternal life in the next. Wow, I just got really excited. Because you know what, I just realized, man, we gave up our children to move to the south coast. We gave up our land because we're from Gauteng. 
We gave up our land to move to the south coast. Guess what? I'm in line for a hundredfold return. Woohoo! So Jesus, instead of rebuking them, he says, no, listen. There is a harvest that comes when you follow me. There is a harvest that comes when you sow my seed into your life and into the lives of those around you. Bump someone next to you say, man, this is good preaching this morning. All right, then verse 30, he doesn't stop there. Verse 30, he says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Why do you think he added that in? Because he wanted to say to the disciples, don't get ahead of yourselves. Don't put your eyes now on the prize of what you're going to get. Keep your heart centered on following me. Leave the harvest to Jesus. Leave the outcome to him. Can you say amen? And you keep your eyes on me. So here's my question this morning. Have you surrendered to him? Have you given him your everything? Have you purposed in your heart to pursue God above everything else? And my answer just looking at you today would be yes, because you're in church. Online, yes, you're watching online. But you need to go to church. I'm just saying. All right. Attending church is important and it's valuable. But I want you to know it's only 50% of the journey. Yes, you need to be in church. Yes, you need to. But how do you know you've got to go beyond that and you've got to start serving him every day of your life? Building him into your marriage, building him into your finances, building him into every aspect of your world because that's serving Jesus. Can you say amen? Can I just quickly give you five signs of surrender? Just to help us. You should be able to tick off at least three of these. Else you need to phone Mandy and come for counseling this week. <laughs> Number one, here are five signs of a surrendered heart to God. Number one, humility. In other words, you live your life perpetually knowing that you can't do it on your own. That's the root of humility. God, I need you every day of my life. Number two, the second one is a heart to spend daily time with Jesus. In other words, Jesus is your priority. Before you do anything else in your life, you go to him first. Now, you might not be able to do it in the morning because of work or whatever. You do it at lunchtime. You do it in the evening. But you have a heart to spend time with God every day. That's a sign of a surrendered heart. Number three, how you treat other people. How you treat other people. Because when your heart surrendered to God, you realize this. God loves people. God values people above everything else. All right, number four. Just look at the person next to you. Say, you're going to love this. Number one, humility. Number two, daily time with Jesus. Number three, how you treat yourself. Number four, bringing your tithes and offerings to the church. And everyone said? Bringing your tithes and offerings. Why? Because you work your whole life to earn a salary. Most of us, eight hours a day. Five days a week, some six days a week. How do you know? When you get your paycheck at the end of the month, what does that represent? It represents your life, all the hot hours and sweat that you put into your job so you could get that check. What does it mean when you bring your tithe into the church? You're telling God, my heart is in your kingdom. It's an act of worship. Yeah. Moving right along, number five. 
I tell you what, we have got an incredible church. We've got a church of tithers and givers, let me just tell you. And you know, I don't say a lot about finances. We don't get up every Sunday and, and talk about tithes and offerings because we believe when your heart's in the kingdom, that happens spontaneously. We talk about it in our, in our um, foundation class because we believe that's the culture of our church. But I want you to know it's important that you realize today we have an incredible church. Would you just take a minute, give yourselves all an incredible round of applause. Thank you. I know we're a medium-sized church on the South Coast, but we have some of the most incredible givers and those who are committed through the thick and the thin, the tough and the good times. They just keep giving, and I honor God for you today. I thank you from my heart, Mandy and I. We appreciate your sacrifice to give and make sure this ministry keeps moving forward. Amen? All right, number five. The fifth sign of a surrendered heart is what and who you are when no one else is looking. Because how you know it's very easy to be someone in front of others. But what are you like when you're on your own, by yourself? Speaks volumes about your surrendered heart. All right, are you glad you're in church this morning? All right, I've got six minutes to finish the rest of the sermon and series. So just pray for me, because with God, all things are? All right, number two, the second thing. Number one, plow your soil, get your heart ready, start sowing your seed. Number two. Guard your heart while you build your life. How does this look practically? You've got to guard your heart while you build your life. Turn to Nehemiah quickly, verse, chapter 4, verse 17. What an incredible story. You know, the, the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is simply a picture of the believer's life after they get saved. That's what Nehemiah is all about. It's a, it's a real story in the Old Covenant, but it speaks spiritually to you and I who need to be building our lives because they're broken when we get saved. And God wants us to rebuild the walls. So here's what it looks like in verse 17. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at the construction and with the other hand they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded on, uh, at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Therefore, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, and our God will fight for us. What a beautiful story. With one hand, they were building their... The walls, and with the other hand, they had a sword ready to fight off the enemy. It's time to arise and fight off the enemy who's trying to destroy you and stop you from serving God, stop you from moving forward with your life, stop you from building the kingdom of God. And so you've got to fight. Look at the person next to you. Say, are you ready for a fight this morning? And there are battles to fight. We all have our giants to destroy. But you know what? Look what it says. When we sound the trumpet, wherever you hear that trumpet, let's rally together and God will fight with us. It's a picture of the church doing life together, helping each other when we're down, picking each other up when we're down, fighting together so that we can build the church of Jesus Christ and build our lives in the process. The Bible tells us, that our heart is the most important thing. It's his treasury. And it's out of our heart that the issues flow forth. It's out of our hearts. So in other words, church, what we allow to enter our hearts will affect our thoughts, will control our actions, and will eventually control our bodies. 
In other words, the condition of your heart this morning will determine the course and outcome of your life. You remember Proverbs 4 verse 23? I'll read out the Passion Translation. I love it in this, in this translation. It says, God, the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flow the well, flows the wellspring of life. Look at the person next to you say, guard your heart. In the NIV it says this, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's why the Bible says in, in John 14, 27, God, Jesus said this, my peace, peace, peace. my peace. <laughs> it's been a long morning. My peace I give to you. My peace I bequeath to you. Not as the world gives. I give you my peace. And then what did he say? Let not your heart be troubled. Just look at the person next to you. Say, don't let your heart be troubled. Do this. Say, let it go. Say, let it go. If you want to rest and walk in peace, then you need to guard your heart and not let negative thoughts, worry, and fear steal your focus from Jesus. Just quickly, I'll give you a few verses and then we're going to try and wrap this up. Proverbs 17, verse 21. A happy heart is good medicine and a cheerful mind works healing, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Listen to Proverbs 12, verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart will weigh it down, but an encouraging word makes it glad. Church family, there may be many things in your life you want to guard today. It might be your health, your family, your career, your possessions. But I want you to know, before everything else, make sure you're guarding your heart. Can I speak to you as your pastor today? Things will come and go. Problems will come and go. But your heart is God's treasury. It's what counts the most. Guard it as your most prized possession. Proverbs 25 verse 28 says this. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Proverbs 16.32 says this, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit is like one who takes a city. Wow. Wow. Forget about taking our city. Let's take our city. Amen. And let's build the walls of God's protection and life around us. Because then we will be strong. Then we will move forward. Then we will be who God wants us to be and we'll keep moving forward. Each of us must decide what we're going to give our attention to. And that, that means being a doer of the word, not just a hearer. You see, our part is respond to God's favor and he'll make us sharp, he'll make us powerful, and he'll make sure we're ready for whatever it is we're facing. Do you know the reality? We were, we were talking about, about a book that Mandy's reading, and she was just saying this a lady who wrote the book. She says, you know, sometimes uh, drug addicts, even after they set free, will spend the rest of their lives fighting that addiction. Now, I was thinking about this morning, that this morning during worship, and I said, no. That's true, but when God delivers you, He delivers you. 
And you can get to a place where you don't have to fight that addiction, but you're walking in freedom. And I know that because when God delivered me from smoking, there was about a two-year period where I had to deal with that addiction and that thought process. And then for the next two years, I had to be careful about certain environments. But I want you to know today, smoking is not an issue for me. I actually pray for all those suckers. No, no, I mean, I don't mean it derogatory. You know, suck, suck on the cigarette, suckers. How many play? It's not an issue. Why? Because when God delivers you, He do, does a good job. With man, things are impossible, but with God, nothing will be impossible. Can you say amen? Say, my best days are ahead of me. My God is on my side. God's favor is all over my life. I am righteous this morning. I am moving forward. I'm building my walls. God's not finished with me yet. Look at the person next to you and say, watch this space. All right. My time's up, but I'm going to just give you number three, and then you can go study it in your own time. Number three, stick with it. Stick with it. Be like the postage stamp. Eventually it gets to the destination. Can you say amen? Don't give up this morning. Stay with the process of God. Don't let go on serving God. Don't give up on Him. Don't let Him give up on you, because He never will. Keep on keeping on. And your scripture here, we don't have time this morning, but you go read John 15. And it speaks about abiding in Him and letting Him abide in you. And then He goes on and He says, If you're bearing fruit, I'm going to prune you so you can bear much fruit. And then in verse 7, he says, By this I'm glorified, that you bring forth much fruit. Church, I don't know, I got so excited during worship this morning. Not a fleshly excitement, a spiritual excitement. Because God has got some great things in store for us next year and the year after and the year after that. Because you know, it might get dark in the world, but in the church it's going to get brighter. It's going to get lighter. And God's going to keep working in our lives. Did you get some help this morning? I believe God is positioning you in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, and that God's going to keep working in your heart. Can you say amen?